The Employment Equity Act of South Africa can be a complex piece of legislation to understand. What is its purpose and who does it apply to? This is Stuff Employers Should Know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know, proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. It's Yasso, Yaslake Disma. Unfortunately, Mr. BGD is inundated at the CCMA in arbitrations, so he isn't able to join us for today's episode. So I'll do my best as uh, our host for the day. As always, we're going to be tackling some uh, complex legislation, which obviously, as a newbie in a business or in a new position relative to HR, you might be faced with the Employment Equity Act. At first glance of this Employment Equity Act, you might think, shucks, this is a lot of complex detail. How do I actually break this down and what does it mean? And to assist us with this, we have National Product Manager for Skills and Equity here at LabourNet, Kyle Wesserman, who will be taking us through uh, some details and obviously helping us understand the Employment Equity Act. So welcome back to the show, Kyle. I believe this is your second episode, one step closer to being friend of the show. Thanks, Yasser. I think that you're part of my first one, so you should have remembered that, but <laughs> definitely glad to be back here. <laughs> Good to have you. So Kyle, like I've mentioned, of course, uh, you're here to help us understand the Employment Equity Act. Um, legislation can be complex, can be very confusing. Um, and obviously, starting off at LabourNet, I was an HR consultant, so I am fairly familiar with it, although it's been a couple of years. And uh, a refresher would obviously help me as well. So to get into things, how exactly did the Employment Equity Act come about? So yes, so recognizing that as a result of apartheid and other discriminatory laws and practices, there are disparities in employment, occupation and income within the national labor market. And um, these disparities create such pronounced disadvantages for certain categories of people that they cannot be redressed by simply removing those discriminatory laws. So, Carl, what is the exact purpose of the Employment Equity Act? Yeah, so the purpose of this act is to achieve equity within the workplace. We do this through promoting equal opportunity and fair treatment of all employees within your organization through the elimination of discrimination. This is done by implementing affirmative action measures in order to promote equal opportunity for all employees from disadvantaged backgrounds within your workplace across all occupational levels. Carl, you've mentioned two terms that I feel some of our listeners may not be very familiar with, those two being affirmative action and designated groups. Perhaps you can help our listeners understand uh, what exactly they mean. Definitely. Um, When we look at the two, you can't look at them in isolation. Affirmative action measures are designed for people from designated groups, and then designated groups benefit from affirmative action measures being implemented within our country. Affirmative action measures are the measures that are designed to ensure that any suitably qualified people from designated groups have equal employment opportunities and that they can be equitably represented in all occupational levels within an organization of a designated employer. These measures are often designed to help a designated employer eliminate and identify employment barriers. So this might be unfair discrimination again and these unfair discriminations adversely affect people from designated groups. Getting into designated groups, this is a term used within the Employment Equity Act, and it means black people that are either women or anybody with disabilities. And the term black people is often often misused and frowned upon by saying, but within the Employment Equity Act, it's actually quite beneficial and to use that terminology when consulting on it. 
Yeah, so when I say it, uh, I am referring to the Act of Employment Equity. Getting back to what that is regarding designated groups, it is all people of South Africa that are not white males. White women fall into that category as well due to the past discriminatory laws, but that would be your African, Indian, colored, and people with disabilities, including white women. These people needed to be citizens of the Republic of South Africa, um, either by birth or descent, or they became citizens of the Republic via naturalization. This would have happened either before the 27th of April 1994, or they became citizens after the 26th of April, but due to the past discriminatory laws, they were not recognized to be South African citizens. Carl, thanks for giving us a better understanding of affirmative action and designated people. Um, the next term that I'd need a little bit more understanding of is designated employers. Um, who falls under that term? Is there some sort of criteria? Maybe you can help us with that. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Yeah. So I think that designated employer is quite important. These are people that need to apply all chapters of the Employment Equity Act. And there is a criteria. So currently, before amendments take place in September this year, we've got employers that employ 50 or more employees fall into that category as well as employers that employ less than 50 employees. Where they employ less than 50 employees, they need to be either equal or above the turnover threshold within their industry, as defined by Schedule 4 within the Employment Equity Act. An example of this would be an agricultural company where the turnover threshold is 6 million rand. If they are equal to that or above that industry threshold, they would then need to comply with employment equity regardless of the number of employees that they have. In addition to this, yeah, so we have municipalities that fall part of this criteria as well as organs of state. Where we look back at the private sector again, we look at employers bound by collective agreement that also need to comply with this should the collective agreement state that they need to be a designated employer, although they don't meet the criteria. Now, Carl, you mentioned that specific chapters of the Employment Equity Act apply to specific employers. Um, how do these differences work? Um, how do we know which chapters apply to which employers? And how do employers actually apply the Employment Equity Act within their businesses? That's correct, Jesse. I did mention that. There are six chapters within the Employment Equity Act, and Chapter 1 really defines your definitions and the scope of the Employment Equity Act. And from Chapter 2, that applies to all employers. Where we have Chapter 2, that does not limit you to being a designated employer as per the categories that we mentioned earlier as well. But where you find from Chapter 3 onwards, that applies to designated employers only. So not all employers need to comply with that because they are not designated. Chapter 3 covers your affirmative action measures and the plans that you need to put together in order to redress the differences from our past discriminatory laws. So yeah, so let's start off with Chapter 2. Chapter 2 is the prohibition of unfair discrimination. And like I said, this applies to all employers. We all need to actively, as employers, strive to eliminate and identify unfair discrimination and these practices within our workplace. And that's why it is blanketly applied across all employers. Then we find Chapter 3 of the Employment Equity Act. This is the affirmative action measures that the employers need to put in place. So yeah, so that's where the duties of designated employers come into play. And this is really where our consultation with our employees starts. This is where our affirmative action measures start taking shape in the form of an analysis of our workforce profile compared to the economically active population within South Africa. That's broken down either regionally within your region of operation, or if you're a nationally based company, then you'd 
use the national EAP. Those stats are provided by StatsSA on an annual and a quarterly basis for us to use and ensure that we actually get our accurate depictions of our analysis. You then have an employment equity plan that you need to adhere to, appointing a Section 24 manager, consult with your employees either through a committee or with all employees. These are where the affirmative action measures start taking shape within your business as a designated employer. Kyle, there are obviously many aspects when it comes to the application of the Employment Equity Act within businesses. Now, specific to designated employers, obviously, like you've mentioned, they are the ones that need to comply. Um, How does the Department of Labor monitor this compliance and what are the penalties for non-compliance for designated employers? Yeah, so where we look at designated employers that only need to comply with Chapter 3, the Department of Employment and Labor, just a correction on your Department of Labor there, is a enforcement agent throughout all of this. They, so there's been a change in name. There has, there has, yeah. So since the last time you were consulting. But with this Department of Employment and Labor, they release inspectors that govern employment equity and that's done at a random selection. So as an employer, there's no guarantee that you know exactly when you're going to be inspected like a BE verification that you actively go through and you set up a date this is done at random mentioning the department of employment and labor and the inspections that take place a a quick identifier is that all designated employers need to submit an EA2 and EA4 report to the department of employment and labor on an annual basis and if you did not report for that year and that period your company's name will be struck is struck a word yeah, I believe struck is a word. <laughs> okay, struck struck from the public register um, in which we will not find your company's details anymore. And the Department of Employment and Labor would then pick that up, that you didn't report as you did in the previous year. And that's a quick way to get inspected. So please make sure that you do submit your employment equity reports on an annual basis. Going into the fines and penalties that are applicable for non-compliance within this Act, um, especially Chapter 3 for designated employers, any contravention of the process of your Employment Equity Act implementation within your business starts at 1.5 million rand if you have not complied with employment equity. Did you just say 1.5 million rand? That's correct, 1.5 million rand. And what's even worse than that is if it's any fine relating to not reporting to the Department of Labor, not having an employment equity plan, or anything found by the Director General within your process that you do not comply with, like adhering to a compliance order after an inspection, that goes up to 1.5 million rand or 2% of your turnover, whichever is the greater. And that's for the first contravention. The more times you contravene and avoid this act and the implementation thereof, it starts to increase. You can go from a second contravention to 1.8 million rand to 4% of your turnover, and it goes all the way up to 10% of your turnover. So a massive scale business that is a unicorn earning over a billion rand turnover a year, 10% of that is going to be a hefty penalty and fine to pay. Where we look at further penalties and fines, that is for an employee or an employer contravening any part of this act. So if Yasser has a business and he tells me, please don't go rat me out to the Department of Employment and Labor and you buy me a boat from that, uh, it would be great. But from <laughs> from from that, you can further be fined 30,000 rand in your own personal capacity and should that lead to non-compliance, an additional 1.5 million rand for the business. 
Okay, so the fines are obviously very harsh, very drastic. And I think that ties into the importance of the Employment Equity Act and how seriously the Department of, uh, what is it, Employment and Labor That's uh, takes this act. They do. They definitely do. And the severity of it is is immense at this point. Like I mentioned to you off air, Yasser, there are amendments that are coming into place in the near future for employment equity. It is proposed that they will be in place by September 2022. And the severity of this is that it takes away the opportunity to set your own numerical goals and targets for transforming your business. The Department of Employment and Labor, Yasser, has felt that transformation has not taken place as it should. And that's the reason for these amendments. The amendments are going to be setting sectoral targets, goals and targets, that you as a designated employer within a specific sector need to adhere to over a certain duration. We had the luxury of setting our own goals and targets, and the changes in this is that it's going to enforce transformation, and the strategic element in applying it accurately is really going to become pertinent in the near future. In addition to those changes, Yasser, there are the criteria for becoming a designated employer that are being amended as well. That used to be, like we previously mentioned, either 50 or above, or you then comply with the sector's turnover threshold. The turnover thresholds are being taken away to not burden small businesses that are contributing to our economy with being a designated employer anymore. This will only apply to employers that have 50 or more employees going forward. So the last amendment that I felt worthy of noting right now is the voluntary compliance employment equity as a designated employer should you not have met any of those categories that we previously mentioned that is being taken away as well so we are mentioned in a collective agreement that you would need to comply as a designated employer should the collective agreement state that between the parties that is being taken away there's no more voluntary compliance so again these are the proposed amendments or a few of them that are worth noting at this point and these are only the amendments if they get gazetted later on this year as proposed in September 2022. Okay, so if I'm understanding correctly, I mean, none of this would actually take effect unless officially gazetted. That's correct. All right. Thanks once again, Kyle, for coming into studio and obviously assisting us with this episode and unpacking the Employment Equity Act. I believe uh, one more episode and you will officially be friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show, but I'm always your friend. That's the important part. <laughs> Let's not get mushy in studio now, Kyle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, of course, if this episode has rung any alarm bells for you or your business and you feel that you need assistance with the application of employment equity within your business, please get in touch with Carl and his team. I'll be leaving his email address down in the description below. Of course, this is one of our product offerings here at LabourNet and Carl and his team of experts will gladly assist you. As always, thanks so much for tuning in to Stuff Employees Should Know. Uh, get in touch with us on social media or pop us an email at sesk at labornet.com. Let us know what you thought about today's episode or previous episodes. Or let us know if you want us to discuss any topics in specific. And of course, we'll gladly attend to that. As always, from myself, Yasser Yaslakit Ismail, and today's guest, Carl Vesserman. And unfortunately, not BGD today. Cheers and see you next time. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should Know, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.